0: Hello my friends, this is Bishop Campbell, welcome you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. Perhaps many of you remember a little jingle that uh, we were taught, uh, at least I was taught, when I was a young boy. And it came about when uh, I had maybe a rather bad day at, at school or on the playground with name calling. And my mother would say, Ah, sticks and stones may break my, your bones, but names will never hurt you. Actually, as I matured, I realized that's not true at all. I long forgot the pain of a sprained uh, ankle or a broken bone than I ever did with a word that was spoken that sank deeply into my emotions. And it brought to mind the great power that words possess, that our our language holds. And it is a power both to do good and to cause havoc and to do injury. And it's a realization that the power of our words plays an essential role in the language that keeps us in a human society. For the ability to speak, to use words, is not only given to us to express our basic uh, physical needs, but it allows us to examine the world around us, to make sense of it, and to communicate this reality to others. In fact, one linguist maintained that the origin of an authentic human being coincided with the emergence of the ability to use language. And he thought that was the distinguishing character in the evolutionary scheme of an authentic human reality. For language creates of the community, which is necessary for our human flourishing and for our companionship. Now, to the faithful Christian, language can be considered as a participation in the very life of God, and it is expressive of our being made in the image and likeness of God. Think of the message of the book of Genesis, and the creative act of God. God spoke the word. He said, light, and there was light. For whatever God spoke was created, and there was no difference between speaking the word and creating its reality. Now, this, I think we want to keep in mind, is a divine prerogative and a part of the divine reality that what is spoken always creates and what is true and good. Now, the human reality participates in this creative act, and it is singled to us by the fact that God called upon Adam to name the animals. To actually participate with God in uh, the creative uh, reality at the beginning, not by creating the animals, but by naming them so that they could be known, that we could express their reality, that we could identify them. And this communication of God in his words was also a communication of God in his deeds. So words and deeds go very closely together. And there, was, there is a passage that I always remember from the prophet Isaiah that is a very powerful reminder of just how mighty the word of God can be. And in fact, this passage from Isaiah is often read uh, during Advent. And it begins, it's Isaiah 55, by the way, verses 10 to 11. And it reads, Just as from the heavens, the rain and snow come down, and do not return there till they have watered the earth, making it fertile and fruitful, giving seed to him who sows and bread to him who eats. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, It shall not return to me void, but shall do my will, achieving the end for which I sent it. Now, I think this uh, prophecy indicates that when God speaks a word, it is always truthful, and it always produces the fruit that is contained in, in the message. It also, I think, indicates why in the Old Testament, The act of lying was so profoundly immoral because it was the use of words, the use of language intended to express the good and the real and the fruitful to actually mask something that is evil. And by by lying, we create an impediment to receiving the creative word of God and allowing us to mask and distort reality. Because we are, as the image of God, allowed to speak the language, to speak as God first spoke, but by way of participation, not by some anonymous gift that we have been given. And remembering all of this, and I, I don't want to be overly theological, but I think it is important, for this reason, the proper use of words and language is vitally important for all of humanity. But for Christians, we bear a specific responsibility to preserve the nature of a language rooted in the reception of the Word of God, enfleshed in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is especially important in our own time when we live in a moment of history where the abuse of language in our world becomes so significantly unfortunate. And it was an inheritance from the totalitarian uh, societies in the 20th century and as a result of that abuse of language to really express power rather than reality and truth and fruitfulness, we began to realize that acting upon a lie brings untold distress and even catastrophe. It becomes In our present time, with all the technological advantages, it becomes a temptation to use language to actually try to change created nature. And behind this is a belief that we can become God. We can speak a language that no longer simply reflects reality, but creates reality, which is a prerogative only of the divine nature. And whenever, in fact, any human claims to have that godlike power, there is disaster. It becomes the sorcerer's apprentice. God by his word can create reality. Humans using words can only reflect what God has revealed and live by it. And you might ask, why does all of this or what does all of this have to do with our daily living in our here and now world? And I think as part of the responsibility of Christians to the power of language and of words, we, in fact, in our, all of our speech and action, can speak and act in a way that allows language to draw people to, to reality, to deeper human community, and a deeper sense of the creative fruitfulness of God. And I think there's some very simple ways. You probably have noticed, and if you haven't, you haven't uh, seen television or heard a radio in a very long time, that in our society there seems to be a breakdown of courtesy. Our language is becoming coarse and and deeply vulgar. And I think as part of our fulfillment of Christian responsibility, we want to make even our simple acts of language and of deeds acts of social courtesy. A vulgar term an obscene term, can cause deep hurt, at least to our our intellectual and our our mental abilities. And we should speak those words that help, that indicate our sense of accepting the dignity uh, of others and expressing our own dignity. And this means avoiding the use of vulgarity and of cursing. It is one thing I shall always remember about my father. I never, ever heard him use a vulgar or abusive or a a cursing word. Never. And only when he was uh, really angry about something, and it may have been about another person, the only word he would use, and he later would apologize for it, is the word, what a jerk. <laughs> now that seems to us now really quite uh, mild, but my father said, oh, well, I'm sorry I used that, that term, but he, I never heard him use another act of vulgarity. And for that reason, I was always amazed and I deeply appreciated the fact that my father seemed to have such an easy uh, Course with people he met, some whom he had met for the first time. And people always deeply reflected uh, or respected him for that and would seek his, his advice. We know that there are certain parts of any language that reflect a particular moment in time, which eventually pass from usage. My father once used the term that he knew as a high school student in the 1920s, 23 skidoo. Now, I don't know if many of you know what that term meant. I'm 79, and I can't uh, figure out what that meant. And I lived only, or I was born only 20 years after the 1920s. And I think there is a language, especially among uh, adolescents, that is used to express a kind of secret society mentality to form that group. But there, uh, that will pass from time. And in fact, later in their life, if they ever heard that term, they'd probably be a little embarrassed about it. But there are other uh, parts of language that thankfully should uh, just disappear and those are words that are intentionally derogatory and a word should never be used to harm but uh, there there are these things and especially this comes from an ethnic uh, reality but yet the, uh, the such terms that should disappear from our language. Sometimes uh, the, the intention is, is stretched to other realities where a person may not simply like to hear the name of a concept or a reality or, or calling something, say, a sin or a crime. Look at how many times uh, we want to change reality by changing the def, uh, definition or the identification. You know, calling uh, inmates, incarcerated persons, refusing to call mother, mother, but rather a birthing person. Calling someone a mother is not derogatory, (laughs) but calling someone a birthing person is simply a mask. It's a confusion that... uh, Doesn't allow us to grasp the reality or form an identification with it. We have to be very aware of how the falsification of language is used in our society and in politics. Sometimes it's defined as spin, but there there are terms that I think all of us either cringe at and chuckle at because we know what the deeper reality is. And maybe that deeper reality should be spoken plainly. We also have to be aware of how false language used to mask reality can distort and harm human community as well as individuals. How it destroys conversation, simple courtesy, a simple realization that as we approach others whose names we may not know, whom we may have met for the first time, but immediately we recognize the dignity of that other person and realize that when we speak, when we communicate with that person, there are various forms of courtesy and reverence that we are called to to do. But I think we also have to be Uh, devoted to the way language is put together. And I always like to stress this, and I know my students roll their eyes whenever I bring it up, but I think of the importance of appropriate grammar. The grammar of a language is the means by which the language expresses a true thing, expresses something that can be understood. Someone once said that grammar is the morality of the mind and the morality of conversation. And I I bring it up because there are certain terms that are now being used, that are being used out of context, and I will mention only one, and that is the term gender. Gender is a grammatical term. It is used in many languages to identify the character of nouns. I was once asked, how many genders do you believe there are? And I said, well, that depends on the language you speak. If it is French and Spanish, there are two genders. If it's German and Latin, there are three. Well, I got this really curious look. And then I I said, do you mean by gender, sexual difference? Because in human reality, there are only two sexes, male and female. And this is the way God created it. I think using the term gender is a way by trying to escape the reality. And I think what... If I remember correctly, and sometimes I hear these things and I find them so eye-rolling that I, I later forget them, but I think now some people are referring to this as binary reality, which is not a given of nature any longer, but now a choice. And we know that's not true. Speak well. Know that the ability to use words is a sign of our being made in the likeness and image of God. And allow those words to speak not only what is true, but will be companionable, allowing us to create and sustain a decent human community.